0: Hey everybody, how you doing? This is the Same Dad podcast. Uh, I'm Jesse, and this is my sister Kelly. The point of this show is um, we're step siblings, and we share the same father. And uh, we're full of wild stories and maybe separate points of view, but it it, it should be pretty entertaining as we just talk about random stuff and laugh, and I hope at the end of this, it's, uh, not 45 minutes you wish you had back. Hopefully we help you forget about some of the bullshit in your life for a little bit, and, uh, we just take you on a little journey. So, I guess starting out, uh, today, uh, before we started this, I got a, <clears throat> I got a phone call from, uh, mom and dad, just, uh checking in on me seeing how i'm doing and we we revisited a pretty gnarly uh, pretty gnarly accident at the indy 500 back in 1955. uh it it all started because the conversation stemmed from last weekend because uh during my sunday uh zoom session with the folks i i mentioned that I saw that Dale Earnhardt Jr. had a new uh, sitcom or biography type show where he he travels around and he finds lost overgrown racetracks all across the country um, spanning from one coast to the other and the one episode just happened to be the first one of it I ever seen what covered a old racetrack in um, i think of what it was oh fuck what was the name of the town (laughs) Uh, it was um bloomingdale indiana it was uh called jungle park believe it or not that was the name of it an old um jungle park yeah an old blown out dirt track um where a lot of the famous indy car guys race i think they linked in over 100 guys that uh raced in in the indy 500 or professionally professional race car drivers that were actually turning a profit racing and uh the documentary was pretty good it talked about a lot of the fatalities and all the crazy shit that would go on there and uh, i figured it'd be a neat thing to bring up during our weekly zoom session and lo and behold dad had been there over 10 times he said he said old uh, Papaw Franklin took him out there to watch the races and he was telling different stories and then of course if you're an Indiana race fan like every in like a bizarre psychotic kind of way we take I don't know, we necessarily take pride but there's like a, mystique or a, a romance to the death toll of a track like there's like a, there's stories linked in of why and who and everything and he he brought up a story of a guy at the 1955 Indy 500 named uh, um, Bukovic was his last name I can't think of his first name it was like John or Dan or something, um, you can YouTube it now, just type in Bukovic 1955 Indy 500 wreck. and uh, Dad said it was the worst one he'd ever seen, and so I watched it uh, several times, it was back then they raced those old cars that were basically custom made for somebody getting maimed, I mean I couldn't think... I couldn't sit around and engineer a more fucked up, dangerous thing to go as fast as you can in. Like it's open in the back, big ass long engine in the front, shaped like a cigar, and had narrow wheels that stuck out on all four sides. And uh, this dude tied his wheels up with another guy, and he flew clean off the track on the straightaway and he was in the lead set to win it for the third time straight which still nobody's ever done and he flipped ass over tea kettle probably 12 times as fast as I've ever seen a car flip and the dude was dead obviously on on impact or broken neck or whatever and then and the crazy thing was there was another the guy that he got tangled with, flipped upside down, and the car was laying on him. And this third dude, with massive balls, gets out of his car while there's cars racing by on the track to try to yank this other dude out of this un, out of this pinned car. It was just crazy. But the craziest thing was that I just randomly brought up this track, and like our dad had been there, like numerous times, he said at least 10 times, to watch the crazy ass races at this place called Jungle Park. Hey, Jess, I just looked it up. You
1: want to hear how it's described on Facebook? You'll really get a kick out of this. It says, quote, it's been over 50 years since the big cars roared around the Park County Racing Bowl. It was a track where a driver could hardly tell how many curves there were. Or where the next one started it was a place where engine noises echoed off the trees and hills like voices in a cave if you go there you may experience the presence of ghosts as well perhaps you will encounter a spire darting off the track into the trees or flitting from seat to seat in the old grandstand empty for so many years the ghosts are most certainly there that was something written by a tom w williams jungle park speedway
0: yeah it's it's wild you can still see the shape of the track but it's it's all grass now and dad asked me he said it I remember that old wooden grandstand it had the overhang on it and I said man dad it's still there That the grandstand's still in good shape and the entryway to the track when you drive in it's all still there and they brought some old guys on the show and uh, one of them said he flew off the turn went 20 feet in the air and hit the top of a tree and then fell that 20 feet plus the 10 feet a tree length so he fell 30 feet back into the woods and he lived and then uh, another guy got flung out of his car just right that he hit the road that there's like a bridge that goes along the far side of the track and it catapulted him perfect and the height of the road he just landed on the road and he got up and walked back to the track.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, you should see these uh, images as we sit here and talk. It's, uh, this is uh, amazing. I can see the overhangs you're talking about and those big open wheels. It makes me think about, um, you know, dad used to always have those um, old soapbox derby cars in, um, in the extra spare bedroom. And this, it's exactly what those cars look like. They're these, uh, you know, but they're made for real men to drive around this track. It's amazing. And it's just from a boyhood imagination, you know, he created these soapbox derbies that mimic these very cars that went how many miles an hour did you say?
0: No, I don't know. Too fast for what they looked like. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, they, it's crazy. Them guys would risk their lives. Just every day, they they shut the track down in 1960. I think the last race, a guy flew off the track and crushed a lady from Terre Haute. God, and how they, many
1: how many stories about Terre Haute did we hear growing up?
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> the, the The thing that makes me kind of chuckle is it takes you know, a lady, as you described, a lady getting crushed for up. Oh, we give time you know this is too much crush lady this is we're
0: out <laughs> yeah, liability we're done
1: <laughs> but probably that,
0: just the the wrath from all the women was enough to it's one <laughs> thing for like guys to take their kids out there and get when grown men are getting mangled it's kind of forgiven but if you squish a lady in the stands so you kind of <laughs> you kind of screwed there you got to I don't know what kind of insurance there was back then, I doubt there was any. You just show it up at your own your own risk. They had people, people would just stand on the edging of the track, like on the infield and kids would get up on that big fence, about a 20 foot high fence and stand on that and balance by holding on to a tree. You know, just, just wild, I, I don't know, I guess things were way different back then.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, we say yes, but not necessarily. Uh, I didn't go this year, but you know, if you're from the area that we're from, uh, one of the big events is the Little 500, since we're about 40 miles um, north of Indianapolis. You know, every racetrack in the, the Donut County area tries to uh, mimic some kind of racing event, like the Little Five, or like the 500. And, uh, you know, this is a quarter-mile track with full-size open-wheel sprint cars, and you think, well, this is—you know—we've we've had multiple decades to enhance safety. They've got harnesses, they've got all these um, safety mechanisms in place. Still, almost every year, there's some somebody that's either taken away in an ambulance or. you know the the fencing's not big enough or somebody's kid in the audience gets something flung in their eye and they're over to the med check i mean it's it's never ending but we continue because we as spectators here in indiana it's it's what we live for it's like the uh you know as my husband calls we're casualty vampires it's kind of born in us
0: yeah yeah that's uh i went to um I went to an enduro race here in Iowa, and uh, it was at the Cedar Rapids Speedway, I don't know what the hell the name of it is, it's got a, I don't know, it, it, uh, they put around a hundred four-cylinder cars out there, kind of like the old English banger races, where they just, a bunch of compact vehicles, and they set up a course, and then they go, they set the lap count high enough to where it lasts a few hours and there was a a guy just it just went up in flames one of his car some guy's car and all he had on was a helmet a t-shirt and some pants and he got out of the car made about 10 steps and he never moved again and the, the car was just a complete engulfment and I and I just that weekend prior I had seen that wrestler burn up that's another good story we we'll, we can share. But two weekends in a row I see a guy burn up and uh, this guy the ambulance come in from from downtown. You could hear the sirens and they come in on the track and they they flop his limp body up on the gurney and his arms hanging there and the lady has to lift his arm up and put it on him and and then like I remember everybody being extraordinarily interested, and I was still trying to get over the trauma that I had witnessed the weekend before <laughs> in a blown out wind Dixie in Connorsville, Indiana but i i uh <clears throat> and I, there was a mom that come up the walkway the bleachers with some hot dogs and popcorn and soda, and her two or three children like met her halfway and said, "Mommy, you missed it. a guy burn up, a car caught on fire, and then the like in a sense of, of excitement and then the mom was like oh I missed it man son of a gun and I'm thinking man here's this dude he's probably dead you know they just flopped him on the gurney and took him out of there the whole car was just it was just a fireball it was hideous but yeah I mean that's I wouldn't watch racing if it, if it was remote controlled I don't think I mean you gotta have that that sense of danger and insanity I mean, that's the that's the beauty of it demolition derbies monster trucks all that stuff that's that's the excitement
1: now, now jess you're you're um a little younger than i am not really a little but by about 10 years and uh you may not remember some of these stories but we um you know i would be on a weekend uh, trip with dad you know we'd um, go to the racetrack here in in our hometown and you know it was nothing for you know a 10 11 year old to stay up at least till one o'clock you know bleary eyed dust in your eyes uh you need some you look around and most little kids have um headphones on to protect their hearing but you know you're just like exposed to the elements you know and you're like wondering if you can hear on the way home but riding home in an old panel wagon station wagon facing backwards dirt dust covered you'd watched everything under the sun you'd heard everything you'd seen about at least you know 50 drunk people you've seen um you know every uh, combination of family unit uh You know, like you just said, really cheering on and hoping that you could see some kind of uh, casualty while you're out there, or you wouldn't feel like it was worth your 15 bucks. (laughs) And I remember uh, one of the last times I was at our local speedway, um, that's exactly what happened. There was a, it was kind of a, kind of mid to post-COVID, and we were all sitting, um, here we were outside, but yet we were sitting the six feet distance plus, and, uh, you know, nothing had changed, and there was some fencing on the third turn, and that's always, you know, the risky spot to stay in, and you talked about the, um, uh, figure eights that's you know if you if you went as a kid you'd always ask your dad or whomever hey are they gonna have figure eights tonight yeah yeah they're gonna have the figure eight buses
0: yeah those guys were the as a kid i i worshiped the ground them guys walked on (laughs) i mean they were they were the fucking gladiators (laughs) you know what i mean they're the they put asses in the seat you know Uh, you go to a circus i don't give a fuck about jugglers and shit you tell me give me the dude shot out of a cannon. I'm paying my, I'm paying my 20 bucks to see his ass fly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were, they were the cream of the crop to me growing up and then figure eight guys for sure.
1: Absolutely. And then you, you look down and some nights would be a little lean on the EMTs and you'd think, Oh shit, they're going to, you know, this is, there's not enough help in case this thing goes wrong. And, uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, the three EMTs they have look like they might have a heart attack if they run. <laughs> yeah. if they run twenty feet.
1: Probably the most active people out there were the guys running with the, uh, you know, the wet dry or whatever, you know, and like <laughs> with the big shuffling with the brooms. You know, that was probably the most uh, exercise they'd gotten in uh, in the last month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're on.
1: There's an oil spill. Get out there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely part of growing up. You know, you talked about, um, Dale Hart, or Dale Earnhardt Jr., and I'll never forget, and these are other things that were like typical for the area that we grew up in. Um, there was a restaurant cha- chain, chain name, um, uh, Grindstone Charlie's, and, uh, Seth and I were sitting out and uh, we were watching the race where um, Dale Earnhardt was killed in that crash. And you you saw that crash and it was just so unassuming, you know, you just, well, you kind of hit the wall straight on, but you didn't think much about it. And we were a big, again, racing fans. And, uh, you know, and then here we are eating dinner and about 20 minutes later, they announced that he's dead. And that's about the time that the uh, Hans device was developed shortly thereafter. But, you know, you, you always, growing up in Indiana, you always assume that someone who may be killed on the racetrack, that was just part of their destiny, if that's what they chose to do. And uh, so it was kind of experiencing death in, in a, at a very early age, but in a way that was almost, like, honorable, because it was on the racetrack.
0: Yep. Yep, you get the, the Viking funeral yeah and then all the all the stories it would tie in forever and I remember uh, <clears throat> I remember that speedway there in town they would do uh, they would have demolition derby night back when this was the 80s and early 90s back when people had money to waste so you'd have like 150 cars enter this thing uh, No. No class system. I mean, if you had a big car and you made a mistake of bringing a little one, well, that's your problem. And they just have... (laughs) There'd be 100, 150 of these things, and they wouldn't just section off the straightaway. They would line them up ass-to-ass on each side of the straightaway, and they'd have the entire content of the speedway to smash each other. Like, the whole inner area, like, whatever you could make do you'd you'd crush into each other and there there wouldn't be a blade of grass left and guys should go on until started about seven thirty and like you said it'd go on till about one. Easy. And they would go until one guy was left out of all them cars. They'd do like thirty at a time until there was one left. And it was just it was so savage and insane but man as a kid it was the coolest thing
1: yeah and and if you were lucky enough to go on the uh, fourth of july weekend man those fireworks were some of the best in town
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah i think they i think they that's how i got my feel of fireworks i think i wasn't always the biggest fan of fireworks but damn they were so good as a child you know you, you can only do so much with that to me, they were, they were like the equivalent of, like, Disneyland. I mean, they were that good. They yeah, absolutely. They had a bunch of a drunk hillbillies shooting them off, so they just they set just <laughs> them up in the air in any rhyme or reason. And whether it had been
1: two years since you'd been there, it, you just were dropped into a time capsule of whatever that experience was supposed to be. And, you know good news is i guess i guess is that you know the our local speedway lives on unlike a lot of the ghost or relics of the uh, other towns that we've talked about like bloomingdale and others you know we ours is still pretty thriving uh gets a lot of flack because you know yeah it 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 collects and attracts all kinds but it's really a good cross-section of uh middle Indiana, quite frankly. So it's, uh, historical for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's um, it definitely competes with the Walmart crowd. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like that, but, but oily. <laughs> and
1: deaf. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It's it core's light and bad hearing.
1: Man, and 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 heaven forbid you have to go to a bathroom there because the facilities have just degraded over time. I can't imagine what the the men's facilities look like, but I'm I'm quite sure that the women's have degraded to the men's facilities, or they look a little bit like a trough situation. No, <laughs> so I can't imagine. Um, and we were. Uh, i think some of the family were there actually uh, my son went with his dad and some others not long ago and uh they finally stopped selling their version of the elephant ear which was the flat tire oh. <laughs> he, he was all excited <laughs> about that and no more flat tire <laughs>
0: man <laughs> i remember uh the last big surge it had was probably 2000 early 2000s it was doing pretty good for itself i remember me and my high school buddies would go out there and watch those figure eights as you mentioned and it was when they reinstated the thunder cars they were just like um full-size cars with a number spray painted on them and then some guy would zip tie a garfield doll in the back window or something (laughs) Yeah, one guy had uh, one guy had some Longhorn horns on his car. That said a Longhorn probably was more than that car was worth. And he <laughs> stuck them on there, and they'd get about twenty-five of them out there for the figure eight, and they would do the um, Michael Buffer, "Let's get ready to rumble." They'd play that and some stadium music. Man, you just get lathered up, just fired up. You know, you got four or five beers in you and it's it's fucking time you know this is what your the sores on your ass are for you know the bleacher marks and the, you know, the 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 shitty like unkept environment it's all for this moment this 20 laps of mayhem and that's what it was man they they kick up so much dust and dirt and god it was it was a sight to see yeah, you'd, you'd
1: get there and you'd swear you'd tell the whole family, now listen, bring a jacket. We're going to bl- bring a blanket. And the farther you'd set up in those grandstands, of course, the, the colder. I don't care if it was 85 the day, in the day, you'd get there. And by night, with a little breeze in those grandstands, you'd swear it was 40 degrees. And uh, there'd always be a time where, you know, by 10, 30, 12, you know, 11 o'clock, whoever in your group, like, man, I'm cold. I wish I would have brought, yes, we told you. And so it was just like the, it was like a whole different environment. You get there and by nightfall, it seemed like it was fall, but it was, you, you wouldn't trade it for the world, but man, you would just like, uh grin and bear it and then the family would always look around okay what what uh, car are you you picking you know you had no mm-hmm. you had no sense of who was even a good driver it was just <laughs> well i like yellow and the number two you know <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i had a i was talking to dad too we've been you've been watching skinwalkers
1: i wish i could say yes but there's not anyone in this family that has guts enough to watch it with me oh i love it so, by the time I get access to the television it's usually uh either too late or I just
0: it's not convenient to try to watch them I uh they ended their they ended their they ended their second season last night um it's in that ranch out in Utah and uh, a bunch of scientists and whatnot are out there um One of them's a pretty neat guy from Alabama, from Huntsville, Alabama, real smart guy, three or four degrees. He had a show on uh, one of those offbeat discovery type channels a few years ago called uh, Rocket City Rednecks, where they would basically, they were like MythBusters basically, they would build shit and do stunts or whatever, and so I, we had grown fond of him, my wife and I, and uh seam in this show is pretty neat, but anyway, they're they found an area where just right above the ranch where they think there's a lot of UFO activity. So, next season, they're gonna basically send a blimp up but keep it tied to the ground and put it right in the sweet spot. And uh, I mean, there's so much to say about it. We, me, and mom, and dad, we talk about paranormal a lot. I'm a big paranormal guy, I love all that stuff and uh, we were and talk- I, I, with the government releasing a lot of footage that they've released I think within five years we'll have open contact with with aliens and UFOs and and I told dad, I said it's possible that Eli might impregnate one, that might end up being my, <laughs> my, uh, my, my daughter-in-law and uh, dad said yeah, she'll have Eight tits, and she'll be laid out on the front porch, suckling <laughs> all your kids. <laughs> Can you imagine, like a green woman draped on my front porch with eight tits and eight eyes, eight elies down there, nurturing? <laughs> I probably. <laughs> oh, I can't even. I I can't
1: even comment on that.
0: Yeah. I'm ready, man. Bring on the fucking aliens. I know they're... I think Eisenhower already talked to a few of them. I think it's it's coming. And then it's going to change. We're going to look at shit how we looked at stuff here way different. Like, we're already at a point where we're starting to get over stuff. But, I mean, we're going to be... We're going to be way over some stuff if we realize that Holy shit, we're just, we are just a a little part of the big picture. I wonder what that'll do just as far as our nations are concerned and things of that nature, economic system and religion and and all all these,
1: yeah, all these constructs that we put up. What a waste of time! What a waste of time worry and energy when <laughs> it's all really for not yeah. uh yeah it's a uh, well you know you and i tune into a f- uh, some different things when it comes to that front but to to have that theory about five years out that we may have alien contact is is kind of a intriguing one i'll have to uh remember that
0: uh <laughs> yeah we could we could touch on that more later or whatever but yeah i think i think so i think we're getting close i think the government's hoping about it now they just put up videos all the time what the fuck is this thing flying on my radar why is there seven or eight of them
1: yeah i I don't i don't really understand why they're putting uh cameras into the sky when all they have to do is put cameras into any local waffle house at like 3 (laughs) a.m i mean yeah, there's sightings all the time i mean i don't know why yeah, they're trying so hard i've seen a few
0: Bigfoots. <laughs> Some uh some members of the missing link some, some <laughs> on the darwin chart in there eating their loaded hash with some
1: <laughs> you know there's only like five ingredients in all of any white or any uh waffle <laughs> house i best said white castle <laughs> But any Waffle House, you know, it's any mixture of any one, five ingredients, one of five ingredients. And I, I think I had that epiphany only like a couple months ago, we went to Waffle House because it seemed to be, you know, my, my husband had been dealing with, uh, unfortunately, cancer treatment. And when you recover from some of your eating habits, basically breakfasts are your go-to and uh so we were going to a lot of waffle houses (laughs) it was like like you said earlier at the start of this conversation as long as there's gravy you know you can pretty much go for it
0: yeah
1: and uh That's when I realized I I kept looking at the menu to try to figure out something else. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's five ingredients in this whole place. (laughs) It's just a different combination of everything. So (laughs) yeah, that was the night. The last one I remember was in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We were coming back from a basketball tournament about one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. We were starving and we stopped at this waffle house. And wouldn't you know it, I got my favorite, the pecan waffle. And uh, somebody had been doing their due diligence and cleaning off the syrup pitchers. But whomever had cleaned them did not put the lids on tightly. So I consequently go to put syrup on my waffle. And, I mean, syrup spills everywhere but the waffle. Mm. Uh, So, and I'll never forget. uh, So there had to be this... um, This conversation behind the counter about who is going to clean it up because about every third person behind the counter said they had a tactile issue of touching syrup. (laughs) They openly admitted, which is fine, but like, what are the chances that every third employee of the Waffle House would have a tactile issue unable to touch
0: a sticky substance? (laughs) You can't can't discriminate. You can't be denied a job because you won't
1: (laughs) clean up syrup. Yeah,
0: you won't play in the syrup.
1: Hey, that wasn't asked of me in the interview. Well, so (laughs) guy steps up and he cleans it all up. But uh, you know, it was uh, the last Waffle House experience was in Jeffersonville, Indiana, just just across the border from Louisville, Kentucky.
0: We uh, let's see when was mine? I don't think I don't think mine can top that one, but. It was in, it was on the way to, I think it was right on the outskirts of Dallas Um, when I lived in Wichita Falls, Texas. uh, Mom and dad were actually with us. We went into a Waffle House, and uh, there was this bus boy that wouldn't stop shuffling over to us and talking about playing football. Like he just was he just wanted to make sure that we knew that he played football at some point in his life and uh, I could tell just from his behavior that he he didn't it didn't take very long I mean he had me convinced that he took blows to the head <laughs> so I <laughs> he might have played without a helmet this dude I mean he was something else he just kept wanting to tell us all these tackles and all this Shit, he did, which is all right. That's fine. I mean, whatever. I guess I'm I'm trapped here. You got me. <laughs> so you know, we had to we had to kind of endure that and humor this poor guy. But I don't know. He he was an interesting fella.
1: Man, I you know, they make some of the best jelly toast there is. <laughs> I mean, you can't even you can't even replicate it at home. I don't know what it is—the the butter. If they put the bread on the griddle, and then you know you've got these packets of jelly, which usually you know you're applying yourself. But I mean, what is it? You know, you get there and you think, oh, this is the last resort. No, this is this is what we intended. This is the best. <laughs> I think at our last uh, visit, like I was mentioning, also in that same visit, you know, you could look at any corner of the. Uh, dining room you see a first date over here just wrapping up you know you see uh, a mother and her newest boyfriend trying to feed the three kids and he's not very tolerant of their behavior but he's trying to make a good impression on her and you know he's going all out by taking her out to the waffle house (laughs) and then there's us who you know we're, we're trying to feed the one person on our family that can only tolerate eggs and so this is why we're here but um i have to say as we're leaving that evening you know everybody had they were very congenial great service you know uh good good value for what we got we walk out and you know the guys uh smoking smoking a doobie out in the <laughs> in the car you know he's on break of course you know it's his liberty it's his right and i don't know the laws necessarily in uh just over the kentucky border but the bottom line was the guy kind of tips his hat to us who's cleaned up my syrup as he takes a big guff off of his joint <laughs> like, thank you and have a good night <laughs>
0: yeah that's waffle house yeah <laughs> yep that's it. Well, it's like uh it's it's like uh waffle House would be like a studio jam session with Jim Croce. then he like decides not to publish it and just balls it up and throws it away <laughs> 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 all the all the crazy characters,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt, yeah. Well what do you got what else you got, Jess? Anything else that's on your mind tonight?
0: Uh no, not really. Uh an old wrestler I used to watch passed away the other day.
1: Oh yeah, who's that? Uh,
0: Paul Orendorf. I got the luxury of meeting Paul at uh in Wichita Falls at the uh Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Me and Nicole went in there and uh Waited in line to meet the guy, and uh, it was worth every bit of it. We went up to him, and I, I thanked him. I said, "Hey, man, look, I want to thank you for putting up with Mr. T and Hulk Hogan, or we wouldn't have we wouldn't have WrestleMania today, because he was his biggest role in wrestling was he was he would turn from good guy to bad guy." and then back to good guy to help build up the very first tag team main event of the very first WrestleMania. So I had an opportunity to thank him for that and he went on saying he wishes he would have never took wrestling as serious as he did. When he started talking about some of his neck injuries and mm-hmm. he went to sign an autograph and I remember as he was signing it um Nicole had mentioned Eli's name our son Eli and, uh, and then he paused for a second like asking well you want me to put his name on here And we said no go ahead and just make it just a neutral autograph just sign your name put Mr. Wonderful on there and so I mean he was just a really cool thoughtful guy so it was really neat to have the opportunity to to have met that guy and yeah he just passed away a couple of days ago 71 I think was his age
1: Mm.
0: so that was it was kind of neat seem.
1: very cool wrestling was uh, a very um ever present in your childhood and um growing up and your 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 play and your fantasy and your um yeah learning about life and um competition and pageantry and and all of that went into that and so I know that's important to you um you know that's that's one thing growing up in the household that I did kind of going along with you know to to mention you know Jess and I have a, a, the same dad obviously uh but grew up uh pretty much in different households and uh to that point ironically I was never really allowed to watch wrestling just because uh it was you know, viewed as um, some form of fighting and fighting and boxing, those things. Growing up in a in a all women household, those were not real welcome things to watch on television. And so, uh, you know, all of the the stories about wrestlers I hear from you and Dad, and um, didn't get to have that same experience. So <laughs> that's where
0: we di-
1: diverge.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I always just like the larger than life characters, the behavior, the the way that they can control the fans if they're really good at what they do. It was, it just the the energy it's not as good as it used to be. It's kind of the drizzled shits now, but back when I was a kid in the eighties it was it was on fire. It was good. Everything was good. speaking of fighting did you see the McGregor broke his ankle
1: no I didn't how do you do that just in a, in a uh, step
0: stepping match. Backwards in the ring, accident what do you think about before I forget I don't know it, it this may go on and on but what do you think of college athletes getting paid that's that's happening now as of July 1st. Yeah,
1: so so I'd like for you to lay out uh, a little bit about your thoughts on it. Now I don't I feel a little unguarded because I know that we have some differing opinions on this, but uh so what has been allowed starting in July, I guess?
0: Uh endorsements. I mean they're not getting paid they're not getting paid a, a salary. Salary right. not green sticks of veggies, that's what they get. And peanut butter on it, celery. Have celery, but (laughs) they can stick it up their ass. But (laughs) they, (laughs) but they can do they can do endorsements, Gatorade, shoes, shit like that. I, as far as I know, sky's the limit.
1: So, so I'm gonna guess that, and and then I'll tell you what I think. I I think I have an opinion about it but so if I had to guess your opinion is when we go to this it totally um will wipe out everything we knew of as just pure college competition the amateur sports scene is pretty much abolished as we know it
0: yeah I think um yeah I I guess the the dynamics of Let's say you're a popular quarterback and for USC, that's over there near Hollywood. Typically, those quarterbacks are running backs, hobnob with the Will Ferrells of the world and them guys, anyway. And they're usually they usually have a name that fits the you know, and I just they're your typical what you would expect, and anyway, they now you take a guy like that and allow him to do commercials over there with people or endorse businesses and uh whatever the like um once he's wealthy and he's a hero there why would he go to the new york jets and get just get shit hammered and and look like ass for two years when he can just kick back and do car commercials or you know, just be the local hero and sponge it up. Like, why would you, why would you step out of those comfort zones anymore?
1: I see what you're saying. So, so if you can get all of the both the limelight and the endorsements, and so the good salaries and the and the limelight and all of that while you're in college, why would you ever try to advance to the pros? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Why? Why tarnish your your greatness and he, you know when you look back a couple of names come to mind real quick Reggie Bush and Johnny Manziel for guys that because Manziel basically once Texas A&M joined the SEC like he's the only resume they really have I mean he's he put the place on the map, and I'm, I'm sure he was getting paid illegally in some way or another, but my God, if he if he could have come along now as a freshman, he'd have so much money by the end of his college career. Yeah, he, he could just be done.
1: So no incentive to ever right. strive for the and, pros, yeah.
0: If you look in the history of time, we're just touching football here, because it's... But, it's been hard for the NFL's in its early inception to separate from the college game just to get the NFL started. The American Football League and everything because those guys back then like Rutgers and uh, Harvard and shit and Yale they were packing stadiums and then people just didn't understand why they needed pro football. And I think it's going to get interesting too because with this Free advertisement, and the fact that they're going to expand that playoff to twelve teams here in two or three years, I don't know what the dynamic of the NFL is going to turn into. I don't know what that's going to do. I well,
1: think... yeah, I I think ultimately, you know, you there are a lot of there's things that evolve, have evolved that have come out of the professional sports arena and. And I think, like, so for example, we were watching, uh, it was like a, oh, a celebrity golf outing where, you know, there's everybody who, ha- like, scratch golfers, you know, like Steph Curry's a scratch golfer, Justin Timberlake, I mean, some of these, all all walks of life, but a lot of uh, pro, or a lot of uh, pro um, sports figures, and uh, Romo. Uh I can't think of his first name, the Dallas yeah. Tony. Yeah. yeah, Tony. Tony was one of the uh golfers in this tournament. And uh you know, I look just to look at him physically, I mean, he's not even my age yet, but to look at him in the short term that he had in the NFL, uh, because he probably physically was not designed to take the kind of hits that he took as a quarterback, um, you know, I think there's going to be an evolution because the the career in professional football, since we're on the subject, is not going to be 10 plus years. It is going to be at the very most three to five years, kind of like the Romo's. Um, so he's probably an indicator of really um, what the average man can endure and still have some sort of... Uh, longevity in life. You know, they're they're not going to be the the gladiators and the um, you know, the the stars that we remember and aspire to and couldn't wait for Monday and Sunday night football. Um I, I do think those days are probably gone. And and a lot of that has to do with I think all the research with the um brain injury and, and those kinds of things. I think that that had already catapulted us down that road. So you look at the lifespan of a college athlete or a professional or elite athlete, I think it's a lot lot more uh, short term than we thought. So I think they're trying to, I I mean, I think this is just a natural evolution about them gaining the rewards that may need to come to them in that short period of time, and then they're going to move on. But um yeah it's it's not gonna be the same it's 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 just not gonna be the same
0: yeah the the motivation the gopro is gonna diminish greatly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. probably even faster in basketball
1: yeah well tell me about i see so basketball is another kind of an uncharted territory for me i mean i grew up mostly exposed to football and then really on the only in the last two years or three years really tuning in more to um, professional basketball just because the household kind of has an interest in basketball these days.
0: As um, far as my knowledge of basketball, as far as keeping players, I assume, you know, I, they make it now where they have to go to college for one year, but then they can take classes like Disney Literature online or something just so they're they're there for a year but i'm thinking man if they can get a six U deal with some gatorade commercials i might rock that four years out and then never even think about the nba because the college even the college schedule of games is lighter than the nba schedule they play what like 100 or something games in the nba in college it's like 25 a year or something like that not counting the tournament
1: you know, the thing I think about are the, you know, the, the coaches that had kind of created those uh, puppy mills, if you will, like the Calipari's and the Coach K's. I mean, you know, essentially think about, think about all of the earnings that those coaches made in recruiting in into the school, knowing that, you know, within one or two years, most of their recruits were going to cycle into the nba You know, that's kind of that's why they were hired, even though, you know, they were going to try to find the biggest stars for those colleges and all the all the hype and all of the ticket sales and uh fanware that was going to be, you know, with all the merchandise that came along with that, you know, they were they're recruiters, they're and and some would say, and I'm not saying it's necessarily my language, but it's some would say they, they were kind of the pimps of the industry, you know, bringing, bringing in and I'm just a, an agent to get you to the next phase for about one or two years and then you can go on and you've done your part for our school. It it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, there won't be players that will move up like that anymore and the Caliparis, there. Their, their days may be numbered in terms of their usefulness to the
0: industry if you will <laughs> yeah yeah I see it's just like uh they're just kind of a middleman Mm-hmm. a representative more than a more than a coach
1: and I've often always thought about that when you ever do you ever think about at that level the NBA and you see coaches in a huddle and they bring the chairs around they've got the the whiteboard I'm thinking to myself what the hell are they teaching these guys that they haven't learned already and like in when they were 12 you know what I mean and so it's a matter of really keeping your poise and staying focused and motivated but that's about it there's nothing that those coaches are doing but giving them a breather so they can kind of regroup and do their thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially yeah, if you're talking like Kansas or Kentucky or these (laughs) high-powered basketballs. I mean, just to get to that point, these kids already know all they need to know. I mean, they're already extraordinarily dominant if they're lucky Mm -hmm. to be the five guys on the court for Kansas at any given moment. Like, what's a What's some other guy going to say? I'm some old shriveled up dude that can't dunk the ball or run. Going to tell me to dunk the ball and run. Right, right. (laughs) What are you going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is he going to jump higher, you know, be taller?
1: Yeah. Well, I I think that the the point of all of this is that everybody uh, other than the players to this point have had their hand in the honey pot, and in my opinion, that uh, you know the the system has created what where we are today, and so this is the um, this is the implosion of that system, and um, you know when you uh, when you pluck kids, call it basketball or, or whether you're looking at football or otherwise, when you pluck kids from having nothing to having a little bit of something and then understanding what in the big world their worth really is at a very very young age uh you, you i cannot hardly blame um a movement to help um you know bring forth what what their just rewards are i mean i just can't you know it's it's hard for me not to say that that's uh not uh, a fair fair fight but you know i know everybody feels uh kind of different about that and i wouldn't say i'm i'm ex- extremely passionate about it so
0: <laughs> i'd say for me for my gains just as a an athletic fat dude that watches sports and plays a lot of video games i'm gonna get my ncaa football back that's been a yearly release that comes typically comes out a month prior to Madden every year. Mm-hmm. It's typically better than Madden. And oh fuck, I think it was 2014 was the last release of that game and then they had a huge class action lawsuit because of the whole money deal um putting and the players didn't even look like those the players like they were the Vegas Player models, and they had their jersey number, and they didn't have their name. But they set the game up to where people on the outside, the consumer, could put names in and adjust that. So people like Operation Sports and several other forums would generate yearly rosters, and then people would download them, and then they would have all the players. And they're still updating that old ass game to this day, which which is amazing, but with this, players having the right to be paid for their likeness, I'll get my NCAA football back, which I'm, that's where I would, I would benefit the most there, and I'd benefit the most, just almost as like, I love social experiments, so this is going to be a giant one, just watching and seeing how it unfolds you got to think the alumni are going to play a factor like Mm -hmm. like stanford alumni could hook a dude up with like an ibm commercial or something or uh you know what i mean like come play over here and you can we'll endorse all this freaking garbage that all our graduates have done all these businessmen or i mean the whole whole dynamic of it is going to be crazy
1: i never thought about that so there, there will be a need for um a whole host of managers, negotiators, I mean, that that middle person that's going to help connect these um, young athletes to all these endorsements and what's the good deal and what's the bad deal. I mean, there's going to be a whole um, need for good managers, again, like the Jerry Maguires are going <laughs> to definitely uh, come forth and become a little bit more dynamic in this negotiation.
0: Yeah, and where does it start? Does it start in high school?
1: Boy, that's the truth. Well, you you see it already. I yeah. mean, there's no question about that. <clears throat> Even on a very small level in small towns, you know, you've got you've got um, interdistrict recruiting going on in small town USA school districts. You know, um, I can remember my son playing basketball when he was in sixth grade. And one of the local charter schools came to us in the uh, bleachers and asked if we had thought about where he was going to go to middle school. (laughs) I thought to myself, wow, you know, my my kid is average at this moment in time at best. And uh, if, you know, you're really either just trying to build a program, which is likely the case, but it was definitely uh, uh,
0: an eye opener for us. I think I think this would be a good topic if we ever had Dad call in to the show. I think he would... I'd say that in the race car history would be... And maybe the eight-titted alien lady. We could have him elaborate on that a bit. You say the alien lady? Yeah. I but don't... I think... Uh, <laughs> Trying to think if there's anything else. This is our first first run through. I think we're. I hope we I hope all our viewers or listeners enjoyed this. Either while you were driving to a job you don't like, or maybe you locked yourself in the bathroom faking like you're taking a shit just so you can have some alone time. I hope you listened to us and enjoyed it. And uh, I don't know. You got before we close out anything to add.
1: No, I just want to say that I'm really excited about where this is going. Uh, you know, 10 years between us, same dad, but a lifetime of uh, experiences. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to share what those look like and uh, how, we, um, how we viewed those, a lot of observations and a lot of things I think that represent two kids growing up in the Midwest. I think it's uh, an adventure worth listening to.
0: Yeah, I I think so too. We have in closing a few things. We're working on all the Twitters and all that shit. We got, I went out and we got, I secured all the same dad podcast user IDs. We got to get those going. Uh, If you have any comments, dislikes, likes, anything you'd like to add or correct um, about, about our conversation today, leave it in the YouTube comments. Uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe and the little bell so you get our updates whenever we upload stuff. Um, I'd like to say, uh, support your veterans. I'm a veteran, um, even if you don't politically agree, just don't fuck with us and give us a hard time. Just just be nice to us. Uh, mental health, take care of your mental health. Um, I've been through a lot of shit in the last couple of years. I've had to seek some professional help. So make sure you got your mind right and autism awareness. My son Eli is autistic. Um, uh, Reach out, learn about autism, acceptance. Um, We'll probably cover autism a lot during some of these episodes. Um, Trying to think anything else that we could add in
1: closing Bob, well, i think you've covered quite a bit i think it's a great start to uh what, what we uh we've thought about and this is kind of the the brain you're the brainchild behind this uh, idea of just <laughs> all the stories the campfire stories was kind of the uh The spark that, no pun intended, but kind of got us rolling on this. And, uh, you know, if you could bring the whole world into some of those intimate conversations that families have over campfires, and then you boil it even further down to that of the uh, uh, Midwestern family, and then specifically ours, I think there's uh, plenty to talk about. So I look forward to it.
0: We're also open for guest appearances, movie (laughs) star roles, commercial voiceovers, We'll come and announce uh, midget wrestling or hot dog eating or midget eating and hot dog wrestling <laughs> contest. I don't, don't give a fuck. Whatever one you pay for my travel, I'll be there, and I'll even find some pants at Walmart and put them on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it. I hope everybody enjoys this one, and uh, we'll get everything put together. We'll get some shirts and cups and some thongs and all that shit you can buy that <laughs> uh, support us uh, I love everybody take care